Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. He is worthy. Amen. Bless the Lord. What a great day that the Lord has made for us to worship Him together. It's great to be together with you in the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to thank the elders for the, uh, the privilege of being able to uh, minister this morning. Some of you might be asking, who is this guy? Um, well, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. I've been around a while. I've been involved and engaged in active ministry for about 45 years. So I've done everything from youth pastor to music pastor to Christian education to assistant pastor to pastor. So um, our love for the Lord is our motivation for ministry. And secondly, our love for people. If you're going to be engaged in ministry, you better love folks. You better be able to love them and let God love them through you. It's very important for us to understand that if we're going to be a community of faith that is going to impact Lakeland for the glory of the Lord. Everything needs to be done for His glory and for His honor. And it's out of that context that I want to minister this morning because I sense that there is a shift going on around this place. Does anybody sense that? That God is shifting some things? I know we say that a lot in uh, Christian circles. Uh, I sense a shift. But I'm talking about a shift in our intimacy of worship and the intensity of the Word and the Word's ability to impact our lives. If we're going to give God what He wants so that He may fill us with the fullness of all that He is, then it's time for we as the people of God to embrace the vision that the elders have laid out for us to follow. These men have prayed through this vision and they feel like that it's God speaking to us as the body of Christ and giving us direction as to where we're supposed to go. I believe that to be so. Before I go any further, why don't you just stand with me? Stretch your hands this way, and I'll stretch my hand your way. And don't listen to me pray, but pray with me that the Holy Spirit will give us exactly what we need today in this time of ministry together. Father, we thank you for the impact of your word. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to minister your word. 
we sense your presence among us. Jehovah God, do what only you can do in this hour. That is, quicken your word to us by your spirit. Anoint me to speak only the words that you would have me to declare as the whole counsel of the living God. Anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Anoint our minds to receive and our hearts to obey. That we might be the people of God that would advance your kingdom in this earth. And we would give you glory, honor, and praise and declare that you are worthy to receive it all. In the strong name of the risen Son of the living God, amen and amen. Hallelujah be to the Lamb. We'll give Him praise in the house of God again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I sense God's Spirit among us this morning. You know, a couple of weeks ago when we were embracing this idea of this, of this vision of giving God what He wants, I, um, I usually have my, my phone with me, and I've got a little app on there that l- allows me to take notes and, and insert Scripture. And, um, I usually try to follow along with, this, with the, the speaker. And a couple of weeks ago, Brother Ravenhill laid out what I considered to be a biblical masterpiece. It was a word from the Lord because he indicated there's something that moved my spirit that we need to move from habitation or from visitation to habitation. That we've been formed and fashioned for the presence of the Lord. We've been called out of the darkness of this world into his marvelous light. And then last week, Barry challenged us to move uh, or to answer the destiny of our calling. So, It is out of that context that I say that there's a shift from superficial, surface Christianity to one of deep-seated faith and deep relationships with the Father. Bill Gaither penned these words, and uh, some of you have already said, are you going to sing today? Well, I guess I'm becoming known around here as the singing preacher So I might as well just start up front. But these words, hallelujah, come on. Just egg me on a little bit and I'll sing the whole deal. Okay. All right. Um, Because I love to worship. I love to worship. Worship is not just about singing. It's about a heart attitude. It's about the purity of our hearts in what we offer as a sacrifice to the Lord. Worship is our life. It's not a lifestyle. It's my life. It's what I embrace as a gift from God. And Gaither penned these words when he said, I am loved. I am loved. I can risk loving you. For the one who knows me best loves me most. I am loved. You are loved. Won't you please take my hand? 
We are free to love each other. We are love. Did you get the point of that? Come on. Come on, somebody. The idea here is that God is asking this body the question, if we are loved, the one who knows us best loves us most. Are we willing to become a body that is more transparent and vulnerable in our administration of the love of Christ to each other and to a hurting world? James 5.16 declares, Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So today it's my privilege from a transparent and vulnerable heart to reveal to you some of the things that I've been struggling with over the past couple of months, one of which was the virus. For those of you who haven't encountered the virus, you want to stay away from it. It's not fun. I had an encounter with it. I thought I was going to be exempt from it, but I discovered that I wasn't. And in the midst of those three weeks, I found myself in a dark cloud of depression. I began to question, first of all, why did I get the virus? I'm a child of God. I thought I was exempt. I'd been in large crowds for three weeks during the conference here at church. I found myself wondering, God, do you care? Have you forgotten about me? Here I am lying in the bed with the fever, lost my sense of taste. I've lost my appetite. I've lost my strength. I can't carry on my daily activities and the daily routine. Mid through the virus, I was scrolling through Facebook, and a friend of mine sent me a link to a choir that was singing a song titled, God is Able. Well, I've heard that all my life. God is able. But the Holy Spirit began to speak as I listened to that song, and it resonated in my spirit because the lyrics declared, and they sang this lyric so emphatically, they said, don't you dare give up. Don't you dare give in. God is able, and he won't fail. <laughs> he will not fail you. I must confess to you that as I prepared for this word today, it was nothing like I imagined it to be. Here's what I discovered. There is no greater privilege to we as believers than hosting God himself. Neither is there greater responsibility. 
Everything about God is extreme. He is overwhelmingly good, awe-inspiring to the max, and frighteningly wonderful in every possible way. He is powerful yet gentle, both aggressive and subtle, and perfect while embracing us in the midst of our imperfections. Yet few are aware of the assignment to host him. He owns everything, including our bodies. And he certainly doesn't need our permission to go somewhere or do anything. He is God all by himself. But he made the earth for we, his creation, and put it in our charge. In one moment, we find ourselves dancing and rejoicing, arms raised and heads lifted high. In the next moment, we are bowed low, not because someone suggested it would be a proper response, but because the fear of God has filled the room. In one moment, our mouths are filled with laughter. We have truly discovered that in his presence is fullness of joy. In the next, we find ourselves weeping for no apparent reason. Such is our walk with God. Such is the life of one who has given himself to host the presence of this one true and living God. His longing for partnership is at the core of this issue. It is the heart of God. He is a person, not a machine. He longs for fellowship, and he loves to love. My interest in the ever-increasing story of a people suited to carry his presence is in these areas. What happens to the person when God rests upon them? What is their responsibility in protecting that presence? What is the impact on the world around them? How are the ways and nature of God revealed in our encounter with Him? What is possible for us through our example? And what generation will host Him until the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ? And He reigns, truly reigns, forever and forever. God is able to bring those things to pass. How many believe that this morning? God is able. God will do it. God is able to perform it. Now, when we talk about the word able or ability, it refers to the power one has by virtue of inherent ability or abilities and resources. Able describes that which has sufficient or necessary power, means, skill, or resources to accomplish an objective. God is able to exceed 
our expectation. He is able to do exceedingly above all you and I can imagine or think. God is able to do the humanly impossible in your lives. It's good to be reminded of God's ability. We all know that. But God's ability to answer and to do all things that we ask or request is the issue at hand today. He has the power and he has the ability to do all that we ask of him or even imagine. Mick alluded to that this morning. What about our imagination? What we imagine him doing. Therefore, he invites us to come boldly and courageous before him when we pray. Let us bring what we consider to be our most impossible requests to God. Let's be bold and bring our wildest dreams to God. For there is no danger of exhausting God's ability our power to answer us when we pray. How many believe that this morning? You, you're not going to exhaust the power of the living God because His power is limitless. His power and grace is beyond all that you and I can imagine or that we can ever ask or think. He is able to do what is beyond the bounds of possibility. He is able to do what seems to be unattainable. He is able because he is all-powerful. God's power is infinite and unlimited. He can do with power anything that power can do. God has the power to do as he wills to do. He has both the resources and the ability to work his will in every circumstance in the universe. He's able to do everything he needs to do or wants to do concerning we, his creation. Go with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to look at Verses 14 through 21. I've always watched Barry do this. And I've always envied him because when he does it, I always think, gee, I wish I could go to get a drink. It's amazing what you all are thinking out there because as communication specialists tell us that when you hear someone speak, you're filtering that through what is known as your field of experience. And your field of experience determines how you discern and how you receive the things that are being communicated to you. So <clears throat> I'm praying that your field of experience is anointed by the Holy Spirit this morning so that you will be able to properly discern and receive the things that God has in store for you. Hallelujah. 
Paul, I've discovered in my, my study of Ephesians, is speaking to mature believers. I'm bringing this to you today because I sense the Lord wants us to take a deeper dive into the Spirit today. That He has some deeper things that He wants to share with this body in order to equip you for effective service in advancing the kingdom. Paul is unique here in this passage because he's explaining an appreciation for the mystery of God that he's revealing. Paul is a wordsmith. He weighs his words very carefully, and as he communicates those words, he does it with a very eloquent tone as he begins to speak in, these, in this passage. Look at verse 14. He says, For this reason I bend my knee to the Father. <clears throat> it's important <clears throat> to look beyond just being a casual reader or casual observer as to what the Holy Spirit is saying there because bowed knees are a picture of the whole person's attitude towards prayer. Are you bowed? Do you posture yourself in a position of humility when you approach God? I humbly pray to the Father in whom every family in heaven and earth is named. All things have been created by God, named by God, come from God. And we're praying, he's praying here that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power. See, God, because He is so great and powerful, will allow you and I to become strong with His power. There's an infusion this morning. That's my prayer for this body. God, strengthen this body with an infusion of your power. Because when we get a hold of the power source... <laughs> Hallelujah. As one evangelist said, you need to get under the spout where the glory comes out. Come on, somebody. You need to begin to sense that the presence of the Lord has shown up in your life. You need to learn what David had to learn. I've got to, sometimes when I'm going through moments of depression, I've got to learn to encourage myself in the Lord. David learned how to encourage himself in the Lord. I sense that some people are going through some things this morning. You may be like the three Hebrew boys. You may be in the fire. And the king said, heat the furnace up seven times hotter. You're in the fire and life is dealing you some pretty hot stuff that's going on in your life. I don't know what it is and I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. But I want to tell you, God is able. God will see you through God will bring you through whatever it is you're going through. The fire may be getting heated up. It may be hot in your life. But I'm here to declare over this body this morning that you have the strength of the Lord. And you can boldly declare His strength and His power that's at work in you because God is great, God is powerful, and He will not fail. Hallelujah be to God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship Him. That's part of worship. 
I'm preaching this morning, but I'm worshiping while I'm preaching. Hallelujah. Because I need, <laughs> I need my cup to get filled up. You know, we sing, fill my cup, Lord. But I want my saucer to get a blessing, too. How, how about you? I want my saucer to be blessed. Glory be to God. It's good. Have you ever done that? Your cup just ran over, and then you just, you just sipped it right out of the saucer. You just turned the saucer up and went, oh, my God, that was good. My Lord, that was good. Huh? Well, is there scripture for that? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How, somebody, t we ought to taste of the things of the Lord. The, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be worshipped. You see, when we talk about the glory of the Lord and the power of the Lord, glory means honor. It means splendor and extreme greatness. So all that God is and all that God has is said to be glorious. So we as His creation are filled with His glory. Hallelujah. I have the glory of the Lord about me. Y'all look like, as my dad used to say, he was a farm boy. He said, y'all look like a calf looking at a new gate. I've never been this way before. I'm talking about glory. I'm talking about what it means to give the Lord what He wants. What does He want? He wants you to love Him. He wants you to give Him honor. He wants you to declare His majesty and His splendor and to learn to begin with your mind and your soul to think the thoughts that God places in there. Hallelujah. Everything in his character reveals his glory and his splendor. And we talk about power. It refers to the ability to do things or make things happen. It often requires great strength or ability. Powers refer to people or spirits who have great ability to cause things to happen. The power of God refers to God's ability to do everything, especially things that are not possible for people to do. See, God has complete power over everything that He's created. Hallelujah. Did, did you hear that? God has complete power over everything that he's created. Some of you are going through some stuff right now in relationships. God has power over those things. You need to release his power for his will to be accomplished. If the kids are giving you a hard time, release them to the Lord. He has power over them. If you're going through tough a tough place in your marriage, release it to the Lord. He has power over that. Why? Because he created it. He fashioned it. He formed it for his purposes and his glory. Now, Paul continues in his prayer. In verse 17, he says, 
that Christ may live in your hearts through faith, that you will be rooted and grounded in love. Paul has this imagination and this idea of a giant tree that sinks its roots down deep, but he says, I want you rooted and grounded in love. He says, I pray that God will grant you this according to the riches of his glory. He first says, I want you strengthened, but now he says, I want you to be rooted and grounded in the love of the Lord. See, when you get rooted and grounded, it helps you with your identity. Some of you under the sound of my voice this morning don't have a clue who you are in Christ Jesus. And the enemy has a field day with you and tosses you to and fro. When the, when the enemy comes roaring in your life like a lion, you think he's going to devour you. Oh, this is surely going to take me out. This is the end of it all. I'm done with this. I'm through with this relationship. I'm leaving it behind. Don't you dare give up. Hear this preacher this morning. Don't you dare give in. God is able and he will not fail you. I don't care what it is you're going through this morning. God is strengthening you. God is rooting and grounding you so that his love can be perfected in your hearts. He says that Christ may live in you through faith. Heart here represents a person's inner being. And it expresses the means by which Christ lives within we as believers. Christ lives in our hearts because we graciously allow him to develop our faith. Christ lives in us because we trust in him through faith. So we have the strength so that we can understand the depth and the dimensions of his love and then our roots go down deep. So that when the winds blow and the rains come, and the storms of life come, we're not uprooted because we're rooted and grounded in the love of the Lord. We know who we are in Christ because we know in whom we have believed, not just have mental assent for, not just a knowledge of, but a deep-seated, deep-rooted belief in who God is and who he says he is and we find that what he says and what he declares concerning us to be the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Let God be true. So we can understand. So Paul bends his knee in prayer that God will strengthen us and that God will live in our hearts through faith and that we will understand what it is that he's able to do in us and through us. He wants us to comprehend 
What is the width, the length, the height, and the depth of his greatness, of his wisdom? We come to understand how very wise our God is. It also describes the intensity of Christ's love for us. How much he loves us. Hello. How much he loves us. Mm. Have to do this. It's not good to sing with a dry mouth. How much he loves us. I said how much he loves us. And immediately a worship song comes to mind. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit. How much he loves me. Nobody loves me. Oh, I'm in this fight all by myself and nobody's seen the trouble I've seen. That you may know the love of Christ. When nobody loves you, he loves you. He's able. He's able to love you with an everlasting love. Sometimes you'll find people that'll fake love. But you can only fake it for so long. If you don't have the genuine love of Christ, you can't produce the fruit. You can't produce the fruit. It has to be genuine. It has to be the real deal. How great Christ's love is for us. And then he says, oh, get this. Don't miss this one. He says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you strengthened. I want you to understand. I want you to be rooted and grounded in his love. But now, <laughs> here is here is the irresistible nugget. God has filled you. God has filled you with the fullness of all that he is. The fullness of all that he is. Full measure. That which has been completed, you are complete in Him. Well, I'm struggling with this. Well, we learned Wednesday night in class, and some of you are thinking, let me just do a little quick shameless plug here. Some people think, well, this, this study on pornography is not for me. It's not just a study about pornography. It's a study about identity. 
It's a study about coming to know who you are in Christ Jesus. It's a study about learning how to put on the armor of God. It's a study about how to defeat the enemy when he attacks your mind and tries to filter those things down into your spirit so that you make unwise choices. Hello? Has anybody ever made an unwise choice under the sound of my voice this morning? Hello? It wasn't just about watching stuff on TV that's inappropriate and immoral. It's about other things that we do. Hello? Hello, can I be transparent and go home with us? Okay. Some of us can't put the fork down. Oh, ooh. I could have went all day. But there's those kinds of spirits in the Word, and we need to learn because we learned, we're, we've learned that we have a, a, a part of our brain that's called the limbic part of our brain. And that part has, has the ability to think and make choices, good or bad. And we have to learn, if we haven't been rooted and grounded in the love of God, and we haven't been equipped with the fullness of all He is, then we listen or are susceptible to the lies of the enemy. He's been telling lies since he lied to Mother Eve. And Paul prays a prayer here that's appropriate. It's as appropriate today as it was 2,000 years ago because it's applicable, directly applicable for our lives. The most difficult part here that, that we find in this passage is, the, is it takes place on an emotional level. Listen to this. Or as... Rico would say, check this out. I, I think I like check this out. Emotions, get this, emotions come out of deep convictions and personal involvement. I'm emotional about something, but is that what the Word of God says? Is that what the word, how the Word says I should be responding to it? Maybe I'm reacting. We either do one of two things. We either react or res respond. Unless the Word of God has taken deep root, our emotions, while we may be able to fake them on the surface level, cannot be authentically reproduced. A theology with any condition should drive us to two things, prayer and worship. The Word of God is not for grand ideas and academics, but it's for expressing our relationship with God. It's not merely talk about God, it is addressed to God. How many know that what we've been doing here this morning, God is listening God is tuned in on your wavelength and on your frequency. It's been said that worship is an inner act of agreement with God. Let me say that again. Worship is an inner act or an act of inner agreement with God. Prayer is the contemplation of of the facts of life 
from the highest level or point of view. Let me say this very eloquently here. It is the soliloquy of a beholding and jubilant soul. God, I thank you that I've been brought out of darkness into light. I thank you that your blood has covered my sin. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have filled me with all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you have made me to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus my Lord. And that because of this, I am not the old person I used to be. I'm a new creation and a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah be to God. Hallelujah be to God. It is the Spirit of God pronouncing the good work that God is doing in our lives. For God has done a good thing. He's doing a good thing. He will continue to do a good thing in your life. And as Philippians says, He is faithful to complete the work because God always finishes what He starts. Hallelujah. Not only is this passage of Ephesians a prayer, but it's a doxology. Now, when you contemplate doxology, Paul was gifted at writing doxologies because being the wordsmith that he was, he wanted to pin the most eloquent, the most graphic, the most imaginative concepts of God that he possibly could bring forth. And this doxology, a doxology declares the worth of God, honor to God, the glory of God, all of those things encapsulated in this wording of this doxology that Paul invites us to meditate on a God who is much more powerful than we anticipate. It's not an invitation for us to think up a self-centered grocery list of tasks for God to do or to complete. Rather, it's a call to realize that God's unanticipated power to effect change in us in keeping with the power that is already at work in us. The See, we don't... Come on, body of Christ. God is growing us up to the degree that He wants us to understand that His power is already resident in us. That I'm already filled with the fullness of all that He is because of Christ's finished work at Calvary. And He said, I'm not going to leave you powerless, but I'm going back to the Father. And the Father's going to send you a divine enabler, one who will comfort you in your hour of distress, but one who will empower you and give you boldness to be my witnesses to advance the kingdom in this earth. You are filled with the fullness of the power of God. 
If we're going to give God what He wants, we need to start declaring, I am. It's not, oh Lord, please. He said, come boldly. Come boldly. Why? Because I want you to obtain some truth. I want you to experience some new and fresh dimensions of my love. You're in the fire. You're in the heat. You need to know somebody loves you. You're not by yourself. You're not in this alone. You're going through it with God on your side. And if he's on your side, you have the victory. Hallelujah. This prayer assumes that the Christian life is not automatic. Our life comes as a gift from God. It's a life of engagement with God's Spirit who makes Christ and His purposes known to us and to those that God desires for us to be in relationship with. Life is relational and relationships require time and investment. That's the problem in the church today is because we're not willing enough to be vulnerable and transparent to invest our lives in one another. To be transparent means this. The Holy Spirit just brought this to me. I've said it before. Not here, but in other places. When I get transparent and vulnerable... See, the problem where we, in, in the American church is that when we get close to leadership and we see their flaws and they don't measure up to our expectations, then we're disillusioned and we're disappointed. But God's called us to a level of maturity where it can be possible for you to know the worst thing there is to know about me and still love me. Can you know the worst thing that there is to know about me and still love me? God's called us to deep-seated relationship. We, we've got to get beyond loving one another because he called us to love those that despitefully use us and say all manner of evil against us falsely for his name's sake. And then he called us to love our enemies. Wow. You've got to be rooted and grounded to go into those, to those levels. If you're going to allow what Paul prays for, the power and the strength and the understanding and the fullness to be developed in our lives, we've got to allow God to both be able to work in us and through us by His Spirit. Our ineffectiveness many times in the body of Christ creates a problem that we refuse to face. It has only two answers. Either our theology is wrong 
It sounds nice, but God is neither able nor at work in us and through us. Or our theology is right, but we abort the process. Don't abort the process. Let the Spirit work His perfect work. Well, I'm not being fed here, so I'm going to go over here. And I've been in seven different churches in the last year. You can't get rooted and grounded. You can move around a lot, but you're not going to get rooted and grounded in the love of God. You're not going to be filled with understanding and the fullness of His Spirit because he's desiring you to grow to a level of maturity in him that you've come to understand that with God all things are possible. It doesn't matter what you're going through. He lives with us and his life in us is that growth process that I'm talking about. We have to understand, as I alluded to a moment ago, we are finite, limited, and prone to failure. The real problem is that we don't desire Him enough. We don't care enough. We don't have the necessary discontent within ourselves that will lead to change. God stir up the gift in us. Stir up the gift that it will bring that it will bring about the change that the Holy Spirit desires. What the what the Holy Spirit seeks is the willingness to hear. The willingness to hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. How much time do I have left? Nobody's going to tell me. My objective here this morning is to be eternal without being everlasting. I've been known to do both. I grew up in a church where our pastor said, when he got up to preach as a lad of a boy, he said, well, did everyone bring your sack lunch today? We knew that that meant you're going to be here a while. So you better be prepared to break bread. Let me wrap it up with this. And I may be like some of the elders. I may have three closings. In closing, and everybody goes, ah, he's about to, and then it's in closing, and we, ah, we get a little more intense. This, the last two verses of the doxology is where he wraps it up. When he says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, 
I love the way Paul does it. He says, now to him, I, I have understanding. I'm filled with the fullness. I'm rooted and grounded in love. I've got all this working for me. And he says, I'm going to give you a doxology here, something you can really sink your teeth into, the worthiness of God. You see, here it is, and I wish Derek was in here to hear this. Maybe, maybe it's, it's being broadcast in the lobby. But here's the deal. We need worship education. We need to learn to worship. I could have done a, a, a little sidebar this morning on the, the different styles of worship that he has, have evolved over the years. Um, I, I, had a, I started a tradition several years ago where I would go on Christmas Eve, I would go to All Saints Episcopal Church for the Eucharist. And I celebrated the Eucharist at St. Paul with Father Al. And um, I would listen to the homily. I would watch the processional as they proceeded in in the robe and they were slinging incense everywhere and this aroma filled the place and I'm smelling all this and they've got the gold, golden uh, plated Bible and they've got the candle and they've got the acolytes and they've got the accolades and they've got everything else that goes with it. And they're processing in, in to, to worship. And I, as I was thinking in preparation for this today about how, how we approach God in our worship, I thought if someone came in here from uh, the Catholic Church, and there are some of you I know with Catholic backgrounds, and you came in to this type of worship, you would think these people are nuts. They're crazy. What are they doing here? Are they? I've had people say uh, of us, they'd come up to us and say, all you people do is stand up there and chant about God. You just chant. That's all you do. And this morning we were going, ah, oh. Well, they do that in the Catholic Church too. They, Spiritus Sanctus Dominus. Don't, that, it's the same deal. Yeah. I go there and some of the stuff, I think, man, they, these people are nuts with all this stuff when I went to All Saints. And the Holy Spirit started ministering to me and said, don't you recognize that this is the aroma that's going up to me, that that's the way your life is supposed to be? Offer yourself up as a living sacrifice, that the sweet smell of the aroma of your life ascends upward to heaven? God don't want to be breathing in the stench of our leftovers. God wants the best. He wants your life to be a sweet aroma. You may be going through travail, but be honest before the Lord and let this doxology have some meaning in your life. We need to be more intentional. We've forgotten how to worship. We find ourselves unhappy because many of the traditions and older forms that we're unsatisfied with. But there are some of us in this body that will say, man, I wish y'all would sing some of the old songs. I know Brandon and Allison are watching. 
I wish y'all would sing some of the old songs. And some of y'all are going, yeah. You know, even going back and singing, Our God reigns, our God reigns, hallelujah. Or, we exalt thee, we exalt thee. Or we could sing, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Or we could sing, oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. Hello. What does that do? It teaches me to learn how to encourage myself in the Lord as I worship because I'm declaring the nature and the attributes of the one who loves me, who has deposited his fullness in me. We don't need more worship planning. We need worship education and authentic worship experiences. We need worship that involves people rather than one that asks them to watch. The rediscovery of our worship presupposes a mature spirituality that can do the job. To be permeated by Christ is to be stamped with the character of Christ. It means to be clothed in Him, robed in His righteousness. So when Paul talks about this doxology, he's talking about how focused are our minds on the concepts of our Christian faith. He says, ours is a thinking religion. Its goal is not abstract reasoning or academic pursuits separated from practical doing, but an informed mind that shapes our lives. An informed mind that shapes our lives. Many times we come in here and we push the hold button and we put our brain on hold instead of saying, God, in, let me be engaged. Because if I'm not engaged, you see, God's tired. When Brother Ravenhill preached on habitation, God's tired of us dating him. He said, you're my bride and I'm not going to give you a writing of divorce. You're married to me. And you're going, you might try to get away, but you'll never escape me. You can go to the ends of the earth, but you'll never escape the love that I have for you. Is that good? He's going to clean you up. He's like Tide. You can't hide from intensified Tide. You cannot hide from the love of God. He's after you, and he's going to get you. 
Let me get this in, and this is my second closing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm, I'm worshiping. That is good water. J.B. Phillips writes in his book, Your God is Too Small. And he says, the trouble with many people today is that they have not found a God big enough for modern needs. It is obviously impossible for an adult to worship the conception of God that exists in the mind of a child of Sunday school age unless he is prepared to deny his own experience of life. If, by a great effort of will, he does do this, he will always be secretly afraid lest some new truth may expose the juvenility of his faith. And it will always be by such an effort that he neither worships or serves the God who is really too small to command his adult loyalty and cooperation. Many men and women today are living often with inner dissatisfaction without any faith in God at all. This is not because they're particularly wicked or selfish, or as the old-fashioned would say, godless, but because they have not found with their adult minds a God big enough to account for life, big enough to fit in with the new scientific age, big enough to command their highest admiration and respect, and consequently, their willingness to cooperate. And this is Derek's one of, one of Derek's favorite writers. True fellowship, church's community. If we're going to be the body of Christ that he's called us to be, we need discretion, discernment, and we need to be led of and by the Spirit, which is also the issue of the maturity of the elders, whether the Lord has had his full work in them. No one can come to this maturity by himself, but in daily interaction with the brethren. You see why we need the body? Daily interaction with the brethren, and in their own receiving of correction, counsel, even from the least of the flock. The leaders come increasingly into being a spirit-led people. It's not just the truth of our doctrines. We ourselves need to be true through and through. In our attitudes, our speech, our eyes, and our thoughts. With all the compromise in the world and the church, we need daily vigilance. We need to be after it. We need to be up and about the Father's business. And that's what this doxology challenges us to pursue. You can ask God for every good thing you've ever experienced. I'm telling you, God can do above that because God is able. You can think of things or imagine things beyond your ability to ex even experience it. But God is able to do above that. You can imagine good things that are beyond your ability to name, and God can do above that. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above 
all that you can ask or think. 2 Corinthians 9.8, give you a little uh, substantiating scripture here. And God is able to make all grace come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstance and whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. God is able. This is the third closing and I'm wrapping it up. Sincerely. Karen Maines writes in her Sing Joyfully hymn book, Worship has been defined as being preoccupied with God. Worship has been defined as being preoccupied with God. How do we learn to become preoccupied with God? By cultivating intentionality. By deliberately turning our minds toward divine preoccupation. Intentional worship means a worshiper is not going to church experiencing or expecting that worship will just happen. But intentionality means that a worshiper is going to church determined to make worship happen. True worship comes from a heart that desires to honor God, a life spent in His presence. A life spent in His presence. God is able. God is able. How many believe that this morning? Say that with me. God is able. God is able to fulfill the fullness of the Holy Spirit that He's deposited in you. It's resident in you now. Will you stand with me? I wonder how many would just join this preacher down front this morning and let's make a declaration together that we're moving to another level of worship and prayer and praise in giving God what He wants. Come on, join me down here at the front for just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not going to stay long, but we're going to give God what He wants. We want to give God what He desires. Why? Because we're making a declaration and a proclamation this morning. And rather than asking Him, let's thank Him. Let's be thanking Him that He's filled you with the fullness of all that He is. That you are rooted and grounded in love. That you do have understanding. And if you don't understand it, all you have to do is ask the divine teacher, the Holy Spirit, and he'll bring fresh revelation to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for it. Can we just, can we just, this is a posture of worship. This is a posture of worship. This is a posture of surrender. Surrender. This is a posture of vulnerability. This is a posture of transparency. It's me again, Lord. It's your servant. It's your son. 
It's your daughter. Can you be transparent enough? If you're in the fire, tell him you're in the fire. But thank him. Thank him that he's the fourth man in the fire. He's the fourth man there with you. Whatever it is you're going through, and life's turned up the heat, and you're going through some stuff, but you can declare that God is able. There's some things you haven't yet figured out. There's some things you have, have yet to see come to pass. There's some dreams and imaginations and some goals that you've asked God for. There's some children that you want to see come into the fold and come into the kingdom of God. There's some things that you're asking God to do that are beyond possibility humanly. They're out of your control but you know that God is able. Declare it with me this morning. Father, I thank you that you're able. With hands lifted high, we're in a posture this morning of declaring your ability to work in us and through us. You are able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Save our children. Deliver us out of the fire. Heal our bodies. Renew our minds. Transform our lives by your Spirit into the image of the Son of the living God. Thank you that we have been filled with all the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Thank you that this body has been rooted and grounded in love. Thank you that we have the understanding of the Holy Spirit. And thank you for the strength to be able to go the extra mile to be able to meet life's challenges and know that we're filled with your power, filled with your strength, filled with the unction of the Holy Ghost, and that whatever you've assigned us to do, whatever the task may be, you will be faithful to perform it and faithful to see it through. Oh, Lord, cause us to come to worship. Come to worship every week with renewed vigor with a renewed vigilance, with a renewed sense of urgency and desire that, Lord, we're not satisfied where we are because we know that you have more. We know there's more, that your resources are limitless and that you have made available new things, fresh things. And we come, Lord, with a posture of worship and expectation. We anticipate that you will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Because our God is able. Our God is victorious. And he will do it. Hallelujah. Can we give him a hand clap? I mean thunderous praise. Hallelujah be to God. Hallelujah be to God. Hallelujah be to God. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now let this word transform your lives. Let it transform your lives. Be prepared to lay your lives down. Sacrifice. Hallelujah. Madeline and I have been married 47 years, but we were at married couple the other night, and I got a hold of what it means. If you want your wife to respect you, I've got to learn how to love her and lay my life down for her. And I've been working at it for 47 years trying to get her to respect me. And I've left off the laying down my life for her. So the other night she said, you know, hon, the trash needs taken out. 
lay your life down. Huh? Right? What? Those are the things that God's called us. I'm decreasing so he can increase in me. God is able. God is able. And he won't fail. He won't fail. I challenge you if you want to, I'll just give you this little nugget when you go home this afternoon. Go on YouTube and look up Mount Perrin Church. Mount Perrin, P-A-R-A-N. Mount Perrin Church and type in God is able and listen to that arrangement. It will blow your mind. When I listen to it, I probably have listened to it uh, over a hundred times. Why? Because I allowed it to speak into my spirit. Don't you dare give up. Look over at your neighbor and say that right now. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare give in. Don't you dare give in. God is able. God is able. And he won't fail. He will not fail you. People will fail you. Relationships will fail you. People on the job will fail you. But God will not fail. God will not fail. Let me tell you people something. You are God's prize. You are God's choice servants. You are God's choice people. I'm telling you, I've been in a lot of congregations, but I've never been in as loving a congregation as you are. You know why? Because your love is real. You're not faking it. You're not faking it till you make it. You may be going through some stuff. I've seen people go through some tough stuff, but they knew God was able. You know God's able. How many know God's able this morning? How many know he's able? He won't fail. Amen? Amen. I want to tell you, this preacher loves you. This preacher loves you. And I want to tell you this. I'm your biggest fan. I'm your biggest fan. You go and you go after the fullness of God boldly with everything you've got. Come to worship every Sunday with an expectation that God's going to fill you with more. Amen? Hallelujah. I love you. Go with God.